Um, One yeah. of you has a, has a like feedback sound going on in the background right now. Yeah, I'm not sure what that's from. I don't hear anything. Okay, it's probably yeah, it's probably Corey then. If April and I are both hearing it. <laughs> Uh, I don't hear it, so hopefully it won't show up when I record. You might fix it, or I can ignore it and they uh, just be on my belly. Yeah, it sounds like something <laughs> electronic just turned on, like uh-huh. an AC unit or like TV or something. It's because my too close to the microphone. Your phone is giving off 5G waves, Corey. <laughs> it's communicating with the vaccine inside your body. Say Maybe. Your arm now. <laughs> <laughs> Moderna has turned into a modem. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the full crew here this time. It's me, April, and Corey. Everybody. Hello. I'm back. <laughs> and we are talking about uh, two regular old manga titles today. For our older completed series, we're talking about the Clamp one-shot uh, Shirahime Sio. I think that's how you say it. And then for our ongoing series, we're talking about Perfect World. And, uh, you know, there's just not much to talk about with this Clamp one. It's a one-shot with um, semi-loosely interconnected stories set in the snowy Japanese countryside of some time past. Uh, the arc words for the book are just kind of like, snow is when the snow princess is crying, or the Yukiona is crying, and then by the end it's like, no, it's not me who's crying, it's people. I think that's how it went. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, it felt like an experiment. Like, from a student. And it would have been a very good student experiment, but otherwise it was just sort of like, eh, didn't really get anything out of this. The brush art style they used was kind of cool, but I know they used it sparingly in a couple other titles, like um, another one-shot, um, Legend of Chunghang. It's been forever since I've read that one, so I don't remember the title, how to say that title either. <laughs> but yeah, I think you guys said you agreed with me there's just not much in this one, actually. Yeah, um... They're, I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the stories that were told well enough, but it's not like they were compel- extremely compelling in any way, or it's not like uh, I was done with one, and I was like, oh, where are they going to get with the next one? It's just like, oh, yeah, that was all right, and then I kept reading more, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was all right. It seems to be just about how the snow, or trying to traverse in the snow, and uh, exists in the snow, and cold is just very hard, and um, the, the Yukiona uh, myth is not... Uh, what you think it is, maybe? Um, the, I, I have the Tokyo, or Dana has the Tokyo Pop version, and, uh, it says this version is just literally the Tokyo Pop version. Like, I don't think they even really changed the cover for their digital okay. release. Well, like, and on the back cover, it says it's a return to traditional Japanese form and storytelling. Um, and as you said, the, the watercolor, um, drawings, which were very cool, um, but I don't know more traditional Japanese storytelling from Clamp. I guess 
want whatever the hell is going on in their heads and in the extremely weird glance. I, I feel like this podcast is now going to be listed under the dictionary definition of damning with faint praise, but... <laughs> uh, I remember... I remember this one when it originally came out from Tokyo Tokyo Pop, and I'm pretty sure that I got it then, and I didn't remember any of it from before, and I don't find it super memorable now. I'm, I can't remember what year this came out, but I do remember having it as a kid. Um, it kind of feels like a like sort of like an anthology around like a particular theme, like snow or whatever yeah. else, but it just it just didn't really. Some of the stories were good, some of them weren't, and there weren't. A whole, there's not actually a whole lot of stories in this. Um, it's. A, I felt like it was actually pretty short. I think it was like a standard, uh, a standard volume length, but it went by pretty fast. It doesn't take long to read, but it just it didn't stick out to me at all. I think uh, when it first came out, it was just it was a bigger deal because of the the different like art style at the time, and then it being another clamp series. Because I feel like this came out like the same time that like. Peach Girl was out and all the other Tokyo Pop series, and that's probably why I got it as a kid, but it just it doesn't stick in my memory. Yeah, this is actually shorter than a typical book, a uh, typical manga volume, uh, by about 70 pages. This one collects in at 132. Oh, that's oh. pretty standard length. They seem to be between 120 and 180 pages. Okay. I mean, it looks thinner than usual. Corey is with shaming the books. I am. <laughs> oh, to be fair, I don't think they had another 70 pages in them, so... Mm. Yeah, well, who knows with Clamp. Maybe it would, they would, like, add Mokona into it and make it just no, a crossover. No, they didn't develop Mokona until... Actually, until Ray Earth, um, they wouldn't, and then they wouldn't start really using it as a mascot until even later than that. Okay. I think the, the, the first story was good. Like, that's the one that I remember, and maybe I would have liked to have read another story or two with that character, but after that, I think... They were mostly forgettable, but the first one, the first one sticks out of my mind. The story with, um, the girl and the wolf that had killed her father. That story stuck out, but after that, they just all kind of went by really fast. I actually remember the one with the heron more. I don't know why. It seemed like a tragic story-ish. I mean, it's pretty tragic, I guess. The dude shoots a heron out of anger and then. Oh! Yeah. And then he, uh, is led through the snow to safety by the mate. Yeah, That's that right. felt a little bit like the kind of tone you might come across in Holic later on, like semi-supernatural spooky stories. Yeah. Not that I think we're going to do Holic on the show anytime soon, because I'm not rereading all that. That's <laughs> a lot of volumes. Yes. I think we could do a couple. Like, let's read the first couple, and then never speak of this again. We've <laughs> <laughs> got plans, especially since Corey and I discovered the other night that a lot of the Dark Horse clamp manga is way out of print. Like, we were looking at the Angelic Layer volumes and the Tokyo Babylon volumes, and, oh boy, even for omnibuses, 100 bucks is too much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, next time we go to conventions, I guess we'll just start trawling the dealer's hall for those, in addition to, um, <laughs> what is it, like that mythic volume one of Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer you still need? Yep. Still Oh, yeah. That. I forgot about that. I, got, I try to keep my eye open for that one particular volume just for you. <laughs> It's just been so long since we've been to cons. We haven't been able to trawl, you know, like all the manga vendors there and you pick up weird little, not gems, weird little rocks like this one. And you go, wow, this takes me back. <laughs> since I don't think I was even into manga when this one first came out. This is my first brush with it. So, April, I, I think you've been into this longer than we have. I think Peach Girl was also already coming out by the time I got into manga mm-hmm. since I got into it with the Fruits Basket Wave. Mm. Oh, thank God. I just googled clamp as if 
that would take me to Clamp the Manga Argos. It gave me pictures of clamps, but also the algorithm has figured out that people want to go to the Wikipedia article for clamp. <laughs> <laughs> I will never get over the fact that they apparently intended to name themselves something more like clump. Because they descri- describe it like a clamp of potatoes, and it's like, you meant clump? It's like, well, at least that would have been even more unfortunate of a name. <laughs> this was published in 1992 on a, quote, tight schedule. Uh, and then, wow, hardcover from Tokyo Pop in 2004. And then uh, Gigital from Viz in 2015, which is still available as... Well, I believe we've exhausted everything we have to talk about this one, guys. It's a little hard, but it's only 120 pages. Blame Corey for this one. I'm assuming Corey stumbled upon this in his recent move and went, we can do this for the podcast. Yep, that is exactly what happened. Yep. And we're always struggling to find older series, so I'm like, oh, this one volume camp thing. That is a good thing about Clamp for this podcast. They just have such a big backlog where it's like, well... April and I have already read most of their titles anyway, and own quite a few of them. And, I mean, Corey, you are now co-owner of, like, a 5,000-volume manga library, so that's been a good thing for us. But there are definitely quite a few duds in Clamp's body of works. I'm thinking of the French word, over or something, but I never took French. I don't know how to say it. Ouvre. Yeah, that word. We have five but, full Billy bookshelves of books. Ah, Ikea yes, the, Billy bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah, we we know what the Billy bookshelf is, Corey. <laughs> I mean, I'm just making sure. I want I want to clarify for anyone who's not familiar with Ikea. So we'll be back after the break, folks, with definitely more to talk about for Perfect World. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. We are back with our second series. Our second series today is Perfect World by Rie Aruha. Um, it's out via Kodansha, and I think it's got nine volumes. There are Half of the volumes are out in print right now, I think, and all nine are out in digital. So Perfect World um, is about a 26-year-old woman named Tsugumi who runs into her high school crush um, Itsuki at a, a company get-together, an after-work company get-together, and she hasn't seen him in several years. Um, and in that time, Itsuki has become an architect, and Tsugumi has become, I think, an interior designer. So she hasn't seen him in a very long time, and she realizes at the get-together that um, Itsuki is actually in a wheelchair. He had an accident, I guess, several years ago, but after they'd gone to high school together, um, where he'd had a spinal cord injury and wound up in a wheelchair. Um, so I guess when they were younger, she kind of liked him and never got the chance to tell him. And then she runs into him again um, and realizes that uh, things have changed. He's different. She's different. And kind of navigating her feelings and then learning more about him um, as somebody that uses a wheelchair. So I was I was interested in this series as somebody that has like a mobility disability myself i'm not in a wheelchair but i have sort of similar mobility issues um and so i'm always interested to see characters like this in manga um i've read about four volumes of it i'd like to read all of it but i wanted to collect it all in print um i'm trying to think sort of what my initial thoughts are i think what i've really enjoyed initially is sort of seeing um Itsuki struggle like uh sort of how he 
dealt with the accident initially and then some of like the medical issues that he has. Like, so I think sometimes with accidents and disability, people tend to think of it as an acute, like one, one time thing. Like it happens once and then you adjust to it. Um, but a lot of times there are like, uh, sort of other medical issues or other things that come up that impact your life. So I was surprised by that part. Um, the romance part, I feel like it's like standard shoujo with the regular obstacles. It's just that the obstacles are sort of, I don't know how to put it, like... Uh, They're slightly more adult. It's not, does he like me? It's a, will he open up to me, yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah. He seems I did, to feel a lot like he's... He seems to feel like he wouldn't be good in a relationship. He would be too much of a burden on a partner. Mm-hmm. And that's something both of them need to navigate. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have a, a lot to navigate together. And I think that that, that part of their relationship is shown really well. Because I, I think it can be very common when you have uh, a disability or something similar to feel that way or to worry that you're a burden on somebody else. Um, so I think that 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 is pretty realistic. Um, I just think it's an it's an interesting series. I think some of you still have some of the standard like a shoujo romance sort of what's the word I'm looking for like obstacles like the nurse that kind of likes him and now she's in the middle and then there's the extra guy from high school that likes her. So you still have some of like the standard stuff that I could like I could take it or leave it. But overall, like I, I think it's it's pretty interesting and I would definitely want to see where it goes in the end, but what did you all think? I've read one volume since, like you, I prefer to collect my manga physically, not digitally. <laughs> but um, these days, there's there's no guarantee I would get a physical volume in time to actually record this podcast, so I got it <laughs> digitally. And I really liked it. I guess the biggest thing that surprised me is that um, I follow some folks on Twitter who are disabled. I mean, of course, I do. I follow like 800 people on Twitter. <laughs> um, and a lot of folks I see seem to be... Um, not so much positive or like proud of their disability, but rather confident and, you know, saying, you know, yeah, this is my life. But Itsuki in some ways is still a little bit in denial. Like he even says at one point, I still haven't fully accepted that I'm never going to walk again. So it was kind of interesting to see that. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that, you know, um, since, I mean, he is certainly an advocate for himself as an architect, you know, he is, pushing his clients like um, the one example in the first volume is to um, have a ramp instead of a small step into the restaurant that he's redesigning so that that won't be a mobility issue for anybody on wheels stuff like that but yeah it, it was just I guess sort of interesting to see somebody who's newer in their journey of accepting you know this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life this is how my body's going to react here's what I'm gonna need to think about and I just need to make peace with it to an extent <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you're saying the way that uh, people are becoming more open, and we should be accepting about uh, these sort of uh, people with disabilities. But um, people are being more open about it, and like in this case, because it was something that he got uh, an injury that he got in college, and now he has to deal with the consequences like going from able-bodied to being disabled and now realizing oh there's all of these obstacles in the way for me just to live my life and like he finds these regular haunts that he goes to um like restaurants and bars and stuff where they are uh willing to come out and help him up like two stairs uh because he can no longer do that um but 
as an architect, he is able to build a world where um, he and any other people in wheelchair wheelchairs or uh, otherwise disabled will be able to much more easily go up and down stairs or, uh, well, they wouldn't be stairs, but, you know, up and down inclines. Um, and I think that's the way they are framing it and, and the way they have uh, created a character that is kind of dealing with his own disability in the real world, but not, like, really in his personal life, uh, is an interesting contrast. Yeah, and I think some of the... There are several scenes, like, where there, he puts a lot of pressure on himself about work. Like, there are times when he gets ill or he has the medical issue come up when he has a work deadline. And uh, um, Sugumi will kind of be like, let me help you, or, you know, we can get somebody else to do it. And he's always like, there's there's not going to be another time for me to do this. I have to do this now. And I that's a feeling that I think is is relatable or common, that you it's already hard enough to get to where you are and then you get the one shot to do it and you can't afford to mess it up because you don't just mess it up for you you could mess it up for people after you and he has that come up several times where he's had uh, even in the four volumes that i've read he's had a couple of different like medical things that come up that he's that he's had to miss work for um but then there are other characters in the series that aren't necessarily like disabled but deal but have but still have similar bodily issues like uh, Sugumi's dad um in the later volumes has issues getting around and an illness and all of that and how he deals with uh, how he deals with how he feels about his body as he ages and also how he feels about his daughter's relationship with Itsuki is like interesting how that all kind of comes together and it that type of stuff was just interesting in the series in general. But there was a particular scene, and I can't remember what volume it is, where um, Itsuki talks about one of the first times he goes out in the wheelchair and he realizes that the world isn't made for him anymore. Like, I think that is also a very common thing, too, just the sort of the the impediments and things that you run into when you're trying to get around and you realize suddenly that you're it's just not made for you and that everything is going to be a little bit more difficult than it was before. Um, and also appreciate like the, there were a couple like physical therapy scenes. I appreciated those too, because that that's tough also. Yeah. I remember in the first volume, uh, like I mentioned, he's helping to redesign a restaurant and I was surprised that they weren't, you know, required to put in a ramp there. So I actually went down a small rabbit hole trying to figure out when that would be required in the U.S. And, um, yeah, I got the, I got the impression that the Americans with Disability Act is stronger than whatever uh, guidelines they have in Japan for, um, not retrofitting, um, renovations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I do take this story to be fairly accurate in those regards. Um, there's, um, a thank you page at the end of the first volume saying, you know, here are people I reached out to. Um, he's actually based off of a real world Japanese architect who does use a wheelchair, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, it's rather disappointing, especially since, I mean, I definitely do not live in a wheelchair friendly apartment. <laughs> um, but I'm used to being in DC where, you, Yes, all of our metro stations had elevators put in. They don't all work. That's a different issue. <laughs> or like my work building has um like plans for, okay, you know, if the fire alarm goes off, you know, here's where anyone in a wheelchair who requires assistance meets. Here are the pagers that all of our death employees carry on them, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, just a bit of a tangent. It was just a reminder of, oh, sometimes other countries are doing even worse than we are. Justin. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm a cynic. I, I, I always assume that we can do better and that other people are already doing better. But <laughs> I mean, there might be. Yes. There might be other countries that are doing better. Who knows? We haven't done the mm-hmm. research. Only through to a lack of time. I mean, I could go into a deep dive on Wikipedia, but <laughs> I didn't think to do it for this podcast. There's also, there's another character whose name I forget. I think he's in the first volume, like the younger kid that has also had some kind of accident that, that leaves him in a wheelchair. And I liked his character for the anger perspective. Like he's just really angry. He has no idea how he's going to move forward with his life. Like he used to play basketball and he's like, I don't, you know, there's a, there's a wheelchair basketball team. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do like, how am I ever going to play basketball? Like, and I can't do that. And he's just like very, very angry. And I think sometimes there's this, there's this trope of like, um, accepting it and then, and then sort of overcoming it, coming it or finding a new way to live and it's it's just that's not really i don't think that's really their reality i don't think that suki like not fully accepting his disability is that uncommon it's not really there's not really as much of uh, a redemption arc as you would think it's it's (laughs) difficult and for him like you can tell in the volumes that i've read just the the medical issues that he deals with so it's not just that he can't walk it's that he's more prone to bed sores it's that he's more prone to utis it's that he's more prone to several other things i mean they mentioned in one of the volumes that it's not necessarily the the spinal injury that causes the most issue it's the it's the resulting issues afterwards um and so it's it it's a journey like anything else i think i just i i i enjoy this series a lot it gives me a lot to think about um, but I'm just not as invested in the romance. Like I think, I think it's important for the story. I think it needs to be there for the story to, you know, to go forward. But I just, you know, I hope that they, I hope that they wind up together. But it's not like I'm like, are they going to stay together or not? It's more like I'm interested in how they learn how to interact with each other and how he uh, learns to interact with the world and open himself up. But the romance itself, you know, I, eh. <laughs> so. Uh, romance harder. as a way to sneak in a story about disability. Harder <laughs> uh-huh. Toe is the kid's name, and he was a high school mm. high school basketball player who got uh, injured in a bike accident, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah, and um, the the main character uh, Ikski was also a high school basketball player, so he's also playing wheelchair basketball, and like there's a uh, a whole sequence and scenes between them when. Arto is like, how do I accept that I can never walk again? And he explains like he's never not really accepted this before. But like when they get on the court and play wheelchair basketball together, um, they experience the the joy that they were they had been missing um, by having sports, which is largely inherently able-bodied, especially in the mainstream, um, taken away from them. But there's still these avenues in which to experience the same things that they loved about sports. And honestly, wheelchair basketball is way more intense than regular basketball. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because, oh, they have to shoot higher. It's like, if you watch videos, they are like crashing into each other. It is practically a full contact sport at that point. <laughs> I would be worried about losing fingers. <laughs> yeah. If you have Reg Real, the Kakahiko Inoue manga, you know uh, somewhat what it's about, but you can also watch the real life videos. Oh, as far as the relationship goes, I, I like what they're doing with uh, Tsugumi trying her best to accept what uh, Itsuki's situation and um, her own limitations and knowledge, especially given the fact that he has a nurse that is uh, a woman, has been uh, kind of crushing on Itsuki ever since she was still a nurse, and now she's a retired nurse and she's just doing this uh, as like a side job. Um, but then Wait, there's wouldn't also... that still make her a nurse, though? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I mean, she's, she doesn't, like, work for a hospital, is what I mean. Um, then there's also the other character, I believe his name is Correga, 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 mm-hmm. um, and he's mm-hmm. the one that had a crush on Sugumi in high school. He kind of complicates everything because he's this person that she will equally like, but she liked Ikski first. Um, he is uh, everyone except for Ikski, and Haruto are able to and he's the, uh, the one that her parents are putting the pressure on to be like, oh, you... There's also this guy. Why don't you go out? Mm-hmm. Don't you go out with this guy, and mm-hmm. you know, it reminds me a lot of um, the kind of reactions that you don't really see when you're able bodied or uh, when you do not have a disability, uh, as what that was in with the light, the manga about the autistic kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see like the the parents that are like, oh, why can't this kid act normal? And it's just like, well, he's. Uh, he has a disability, and this one is like, well, why, why are you even trying to get in here if there's stairs? I should be able to have access to the same things that able-bodied people have access to. Mm-hmm. And these aren't really things that uh, come across my head when I just like walk upstairs because I have that ability. I, if I ever had a uh, an injury like this, God forbid, I would not be able to get to my own apartment because there's not an elevator here. So uh, it's it's so like strange. It, it's it's. It's, I think about that stuff so often that it's so, it's so, it's like strange to hear other people talk, like to hear you talk about it because like, I can't, like I can't not think about stairs. So it's like strange to hear people talk about that. I'm like, yeah, if you, if you throw a step in front of me and there's not a rail, I'm just, you know, I've got to figure out some other way around it. It's, it can be interest, interesting like when, um, I meet other people and like they've had like an acute injury, like, a, you know, somebody, sprains their ankle or whatever and then they'll come to me and be like i had no idea how difficult this was and i'm like yeah <laughs> you know so it's always interesting hearing other people when they realize how difficult it can be um and they mentioned it um i think itsuki mentions it like it's not just necessarily about um the larger disabilities that we think of but even just in terms of like aging like he mentions there are going to be more elderly people there are going to be more people that just have different mobility needs and that we need to think about not just the obvious things that we think about but everybody else too that this will this could come up for everybody it's or another so yeah there's an elderly couple who lives uh directly below me in this apartment building i really hope i'm being a good upstairs neighbor to them and um, i've seen the wife a couple of times and she uses like the door frame of the main door out of the building to um, deal with that one step down and so they just um put in like one of those um big handles, like the kind you might see in the um, wheelchair stall of a bathroom, you know, for help holding on to everything. And I was thinking, oh, good, that looks like it's going to be a lot easier for her to grab onto than the door frame. Oh, yeah, that uh, would be really handy. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because a couple day- days ago, they first put on like a little like um, drawer handle, I think, first. It's like a stopgap. And I was looking at that for a second. And I was like, I guess that's what that's for. Uh-huh. It was in just such a weird place. Uh but yeah, it's definitely not to the same level of you, but I get migraines sometimes, so I never leave the house without like three different painkillers at this point, just in case. Mm-hmm. And so I look at everybody who doesn't have to carry a purse around, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't need to worry about what if I get dehydrated and get a migraine? What if I get hungry and I get a migraine? You know, I'm like, how can you just live your lives without constantly thinking about, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if life just says, fuck you today, and I can't get home quickly? <laughs> It's very similar to that. Just not quite as difficult, since, thank God, my migraines do not manifest every time I go outside. Well, stairs, you know. Well, I, don't <laughs> they, I don't say they manifest, but they are always there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I, I like the series, and um, I'm 
glad that it exists and yeah i would like to see more of it and i think um uh that it's been handled like sensitively and Enough. Like, I haven't seen anything super glaring that bothers me. That doesn't mean that it wouldn't bother someone else, but I think it's it's a it's a decent start. I will say this whole, I didn't get to it. It must have come in a later volume with Nurse possibly having a crush on Itsuki. I'm just having, like, Stephen Hawking flashbacks there. <laughs> I heard he make a sound when Corey said that. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Well, and she's so rude. Like, she's just super rude. It's, like, unnecessary. She's like, you don't know anything about him. I know everything. I'm like, calm down. <laughs> like, she's just, it's like, unnecessarily shoujo antagonist yeah. trying thing. Very, <laughs> so. very extra. But as a uh, lover of all sorts of good and bad shoujo manga, I, I like it. Oh, I was trying to remember. Uh, but um, there's no anime based off of this. But there is a live action film from 2018. Oh, interesting. Those like yeah. never come over here though. It's kind of annoying when I want to watch all of them. Well, the running joke between Justin and I is that Kodansha digital titles only make the move to print when there's an anime coming. <laughs> so when this one got printed, we were like, "Is an anime coming?" Sure. It's not a hundred percent of the time, but it's like a good seventy percent of the time. So that's what I wanted to double check. I'd watch an anime of it. Yeah. Is this uh, nine volumes complete, or is it still longer? I think it's completed. Now, I'm almost positive about that, but I would have to check. I think it's only up to four or five in print. Yeah, five. Yeah, definitely I think just only came up, up to. Well, maybe in theory, since those that series has been really hit by the um, COVID printing delays. Like, uh, Justin was keeping an eye on some of the dates, and it was like they just set out an automated tweet saying volume four is supposed to come out this week, but volume three was supposed to come out this week, and just. <laughs> And it is complete in 12 volumes, actually, not nine. Oh, wow. I did not know that. So we've got a ways to go. There's time for more potentially bad love interests to show up, or for <laughs> you know, more... The two we have is enough. <laughs> or just more enlightening ideas about, you know, disability exists. Mm-hmm. You should make things easier to access. Yep. Especially... um Along with that thing, um, I think you were saying, and I think you said it had come up in the manga, but with this idea that, you know, everybody as they age is going to become disabled to some extent, you know. If you have an elevator, that doesn't just benefit someone in a wheelchair. That also benefits, you know, someone with a really heavy suitcase, someone with a stroller. Uh, I, I think I've heard that that was something that was first discussed when curb cuts became more common in the U.S., I think it was some folks in wheelchairs who were advocating for them. And afterwards, you know, they got put in and then people with strollers, you know, they were able to cross the street more easily. You know, it was easier if you had a bicycle. You weren't just hopping on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely something that everyone should be thinking about more. And a, a series like this is a bit of a nice disguise vehicle, you know, a gentle way to get it into people's minds. You know, oh, yeah having these little stairs in front of a store would make it a lot harder for some folks to deal with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without making it feel like super preachy or teachy, some of the, not very many, but some of the LGBTQ ones we've read, it's clear that they're like not meant, I don't want to say not meant for people in the community, but it's more like a primer for people that aren't in the community. And this doesn't feel this way. This feels like a shoujo romance or one of the characters is disabled. <laughs> so I was wondering if it was getting a little too info dumpy at times. Like, um, I think it's in the first volume where Itsuki says, like, straight out he can't go to the bathroom by himself. That's just oh, that's paralysis. Right. That's right. And, and I was thinking, okay, we're just putting that out there front and center. People are not going to, you know, just randomly 
wonder about that later on. <laughs> yeah, that's fairly early, actually, in the first volume. I do remember that, and then it, and then it does come up later. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's trying to scare her off from her being interested in dating him. She's just like, well, yeah, she's that not would going be something anywhere. to get used to. But. <laughs> she is not going anywhere. Yeah. Use somebody who won't be turned off by you having to explain biological aspects of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I think that wraps us up for this one. Corey, do you think you can take us out? Sure. Where can we find everyone online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mangio Ren. I am still alive and I'm fully vaccinated. So <laughs> I'm excited about that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wandering Dreamer. You can find me also writing reviews and doing podcasts over at the OASG. Um, I know that we talked about Heterogeneo Linguistico a couple podcasts ago, and I just finally got my uh, review up on that. People wanted to check that out. And by the time this podcast goes up, I will be uh, engaged in making antibodies for the virus. I'll be doing <laughs> <my job. laughs> uh, We've been having to reschedule all of our recordings lately because everybody's been getting their second <laughs> shots. And we don't want to like, um, try to record if one of us has, like, God, th- there's so many different side effects. You know, fever, migraines, you know, it's like just clear your schedules. We're not going to record on those days. <laughs> yep. Basically, uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Compassion Gay. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Smugging Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at HaikuPodcast.com. That's T A I I K U. And as Bon Jovi says, in the relation to the vaccine, I am halfway there. <laughs> Living on more than a prayer. <laughs> yeah. Living on science. Damn it. <laughs> See you later, then, y'all. Bye. Bye, everybody.